And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. What's up, man? Not much. I uh, I just finished reading this morning uh, The Last Picture Show by the recently uh, passed Larry McMurtry. And uh, it's a bit of a bummer, but it's one of the better coming-of-age books I've read, and I'm a big fan of the genre. Uh, But, yeah, I'm maybe a bit low energy because of that and the gray skies that greet us this morning. Uh, Wow, getting after it early in the morning with the reading, eh? Um, Well, I woke up earlier than I intended, and I was like, uh, you know, Walter, as usual, was not eager to go outside, <laughs> let, let's say. Uh, and I only had like 15 pages left. So I was like, let's uh, let's finish this up. You are, I can't tell if you're a stronger man than me or a weaker man than me for going to bed with only 15 pages left in a book. I don't think I'd be able to do it. Yeah, um, the problem was it was 1.30 and I was like, I could finish this, but then it's two. And what if I'm, what if the ending makes me more awake and then I'm not falling asleep till three, so. Uh, I was I was certainly tempted, but it was when I looked at the clock, it was later than I uh, anticipated. So I and, and it's not like really like a cliffhangery book. It's, right. it's more of a vibes book. Um, so it's it's not like I need to find find out what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was, you- yeah, with a page turner, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that necessarily. Are you a um are you a read in bed or read in the living room? Uh, I should read more in the living room, but I usually read in bed. Because you have a partner and that requires you to keep the light on, you mean? No, I just think I like reading in bed means I don't read as much because I get sleepy. Um, right. Yeah, like a, it's just not conducive to more reading, which I think we'd all be served to do, me, myself included, for sure. I would love to do more reading if my brain ever allowed me to, but... Uh... You know, sometimes it don't. <laughs> that, that's uh, that is the case. Uh, we're we're scrambling for a segue here. I'm sure. No, no, no. I mean, look, the people want to get to know us. The people want the people want to, uh, you know, find out what our lives are like, what we're what we're all about. Yeah, it was. Turned I in, imagine. So I I, I just um, I was going to choose this for the movie club that I'm in uh, that we've been doing long or er, er, uh, remotely. Uh, there, cause there was like a multi Academy award nominated film based on the book. Uh, but now it costs for a while it was free on prime, but now it's gone back to like $20 rental and, you know, I'm not going to make everybody do that. Uh, but, uh, a young Jeff Bridges was in it, which wow. is, uh, interesting to me. And if you want to complain about having to pay for content, uh, you can go <laughs> to, there's our segue. <laughs> Um, now in seriousness, if you are, uh, if you're not subscribed to the written side, 
Uh, theathletic.com slash we the six. There's always a good deal going there. I think it's $3.99 a month right now. Uh, or click any of our articles. Sometimes there are flash sales, uh, things like that. There's been some good stuff of late. Obviously, uh, you know, we're late enough in the year that every game feels like a referendum on the direction of the team. Eric, you uh, you're very nihilistic before we came on the air here uh, about that. Before we get into the state of the team and the fact that a two and two week leaves absolutely nobody happy, uh, we have some news to take care of. Uh, the first piece of that news is that shortly before we came on to record, uh, the Raptors, or I guess I don't know if they've physically signed it, but Shams and I reported that the Raptors will sign Freddie Gillespie to a two year minimum deal. Um, Obviously, he, he's made good on those two 10-day opportunities. The deal is kind of your standard developmental deal where uh, the second year is at the minimum. It's non-guaranteed. He'll get a small guarantee if he's still on the roster at some point in the summer. And then if he makes the team, it gets fully guaranteed. So not not dissimilar to Utah's deal that we talked about last week. Uh, Gillespie's, Gillespie's small early offseason guarantee is significantly less, as you'd expect um, it's only 50K, whereas Watanabe's is uh, 375K. But that's, you know, Watanabe's in his third year. He's played a bigger role. He has a longer track record. Uh, Gillespie's kind of the developmental special. Not quite the hinky special uh, because here, here's where there's one more opportunity to get mad at Alex Len before he ends the Raptors play in <laughs> mid uh, in two weeks. I know exactly where you're going. but uh, Yes, so because <laughs> the Raptors, the Raptors gave Alex Len a chunk of the mid-level that was just barely higher than his minimum contract. And they did that for like trade flexibility reasons because of the way minimum contracts are handled versus, you know, a guy who's on just a random number. However, not keeping a part of that mid-level open is why Watanabe and Gillespie could only be signed to two-year deals this year and next. Um, you need cap space or an exception to sign someone beyond uh, two years at the minimum. Now, I don't know that you know, they would have been open to a hinky special. I don't know that the Raptors would have gone that far. They, they generally haven't gone four years on those kind of deals. Uh, but a three-year de-escalating guarantee s- setup is, uh, you know, it's generally a win-win for guys in these spots. But anyway, uh, Just- be mad at Alex Len when Freddie Gillespie hits restricted free agency at the end of next season. Just something to keep in mind when I'm handing out uh, postseason grades uh for for the management team uh, yes yeah don't be mad at alex len be mad at messiah and bobby i think is, is the lesson here oh a botch job yeah they, uh, not yeah not look we have a, a lot of respect for bobby webster and masai jiri and the job they've done over their time in toronto this past off season at the center position was obviously not um their best work as much as it looked like it was fine at the time And the thing that probably highlights that best is the fact that Gillespie has come in, plucked from the G League, uh, an undrafted rookie, and he's played 16 minutes a game over 10 games. And he's been, I don't want to say better than Baines because Baines has had some stretches where he hasn't hurt the team's minutes and you see what the team thought he could be. But... Um, he's been different than Baines and he certainly earned the minutes over, over giving Baines another shot. Um, and anytime a 10 day is jumping in and contributing, obviously something has gone wrong somewhere. So, 
Um, in addition to the big feature story that I did on Freddie Gillespie right when they first signed him, which I'd urge you to check out at theathletic.com uh, slash Raptors or theathletic.com slash we the six, um, you could also take a look at uh, I ranked every 10 day in Raptors history. Uh, they have had 31 players on 10 day contracts. And to give you an idea of just how rare it is for someone on a 10 day to play as much as Gillespie. Uh, he ranked fourth of those 31 in minutes played over the life of his 10 day topped only by Alan Anderson, Ben Uzo and skip to my Lou Ray for Alston. Uh, he also, um, more steals plus blocks than any other 10 day in franchise history, uh, up there for rebounds as well. Uh, he might've moved into first. Yeah. He moved into first and rebounds, uh, last night. Um, so pretty good, pretty good for, for 20 day audition. Um, you know, we don't really need to unpack what this says about the center position. I think we've done that enough in talking about him and Ken Birch. Uh, but Eric, before we, before we look forward, let's look back. Uh, I know that you've read my 10 day ranking because you commented, uh, this is why I subscribe to the athletic. Uh, I, I assume that's what you commented. I didn't read it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, do you basically. have do you have a favorite ten day guy or a favorite ten day memory, and, and where does Gillespie rank for you? Well, Gillespie's up there, but uh, like because I've been covering the team since uh, two thousand eight, like most of my ten day memories certainly are about the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you come, my, my comment was actually about Damone Brown uh, and you calling him an Eric Corrine favorite uh, in, in your piece, which is true. But the reason he's a favorite is because I, what I was doing while you were talking, other than listening to you intently, was looking up the box score from the game in which the, you know, the then nine and 28 Raptors beat the Michael Jordan Wizards uh, with eight players available. And three of those guys were on 10-day contracts, uh, including Damone Brown, who went six for 10 in 32 min minutes, scoring 13 points. And Rafer Alston had 13 and 11 in, in almost 34 minutes. So I think that's at the top of my 10-day memory um, memories. Alan Anderson's first uh, sort of scrum after signing a 10-day and talking about you know, getting, I, I forgot what league he was talking about now, but like his memories of playing internationally and getting pelted with like bottle caps and, <laughs> and all these things. Like it really, uh, really was a vivid sort of addition to the season, which was like yet another in the long line of Raptor seasons going sideways. And, uh, you know, he ended up being a pretty valuable piece, not only for the Raptors, but for, the Nets after that uh, against he, the Raptors, yeah. no less. So he had a he had a nice little post ten day career uh, after being out of the league for a long while. And my other one is Linton Johnson the um, third because it became an inside running joke. Oh uh, yeah, Roven just filled me in on this one. Yeah, that the Raptors never officially released him, which I guess you don't have to do if you're on a right. It just contract. expires. It just expires. But like the Raptors just never said anything about Linton Johnson III no longer being with the team. So like three years later, uh, we would like bring up, hey, is Linton Johnson available? 
to talk to. And uh, so, those, and what's his deal? Is he still on the roster? So hmm. I, I think those are my top 10 day memories. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what the listeners want, but that's what the listeners are getting. Hey, it's it's good to have a throwback like that. And, uh, and that, you know, I, I think for any of our younger listeners or newer listeners, um, like newer in terms of new to, newer to the fan base, maybe, maybe you came along during the championship run or, or in the We the North era. Uh, there are some throwbacks there. You know, I know, I know not everyone, uh, you know, was, uh, I, I know not everyone is as fond of Reggie Slater as, say, our friend James Herbert is. <laughs> uh, I know not everyone's going to be as fond as Demo- of Demont Brown as you are. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd imagine, plus two, in, in recent years, the Raptors really haven't used a 10 day that much. No. Um, Nigel Hayes was the only was the only one over like I think a six or seven year stretch before the before the championship season. Um obviously because Ben Uzo ruined the franchise and ruined 10 days for everyone. Um yeah, so and then Moreland and Meeks were like they were 10 days to meet the roster requirements, not not to like see what these guys have and stuff. So uh I still think Nigel Hayes is my number one for shooting the arrows and and just like any good any positive vibes he built with Dwayne Casey killing them, uh, but it's uh yeah Freddie Freddie Gillespie's up there in that game against the Wizards by the way Jerome Williams with fourteen points and twenty rebounds there you uh, go and Morris Peterson played forty six minutes jeez <laughs> that was uh, I forget which guy it was now but one of my favorite ones was uh, uh going through the the old 10 days it might have been Dan O'Sullivan um <laughs> like started and played 44 minutes and then got waived the next day <laughs> wow well yeah. he got his he got his showcase you can't say he did it <laughs> yeah that's uh it was either him or Art Long I think it was Dan O'Sullivan anyway well Art Long was uh, was one of the three guys in this game and he played just 14 and a half minutes the oh. least of the eight Raptors who played that evening, not with the team, Vashawn Leonard, Chris Jeffries, Lindsay Hunter, Nate Huffman, Vince Carter, Michael Bradley, and Mamadou Njai. Wow. What a list. Uh, All right. Continuing on with some news stuff here that we've got to touch up. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has missed the last couple days dealing with a left leg contusion. Nick Nurse didn't sound like he's too, too concerned of it. Uh, I've been joking with uh, Dan Hackett of Raptors HQ that there's some tomfoolery going on here. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is one start or 57 minutes played from achieving what is called starter criteria, which would more than double his qualifying offer and his cap hold in the summer. Um, so it's like I'm I'm on watch for if he comes up just short of that and suddenly, you know, maybe he sits out the next game and then comes back for one and then they 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 lose both of those and suddenly all oh, Gary Trent's done for the year to keep his qualifying offer lower. Um, always looking out for the shady stuff, Eric. Uh, it'd be interesting. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really hurt Trent in any tangible way because, you know, unless something crazy happens, he's going to sign a a new deal. That Yeah, that like like it. for some guys that would hurt leverage wise because yeah. you can't be you can't as convincingly be like, well, I'm going to sign the qualifying offer. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's any worry about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be interesting if the Raptors and and him and his team had a sort of wink wink agreement but it's pretty if he play there are 10 games left 
Yeah, if, if, he's play, play if two, he plays in two or three games. Yeah, if he plays in five of them and doesn't play 57 minutes, like, can the league do anything about that? I, no, uh, I think they'd have to, like, his people would have to file that, a grievance yeah, about it. They wouldn't, presumably. Yeah. And, like, he's out with an injury. It's not like he was listed as rest. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe the Raptors learned their lesson there. <laughs> Uh, anyway. uh, as Kyle Lowry said, really, 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 really well rested <laughs> at this point. What a, what a uh, keep, stupid season. Uh, we should really say it once an episode. What a stupid yeah, season. It is a dumb year. Um, as as evidenced by um, Ed posted a, a graphic of all the team, all the time each team has missed versus how many guys their opponents have been missing. And like, I thought the Raptors would rank, uh, rank higher. Yeah. But they're just another team. They've averaged, based on my numbers, a little over 2.5 guys out per game. And they're just another team in uh, in those rankings. Now, part of that is, like, if I included empty roster spots during that time, yeah. then the Raptors look a lot worse because, you know, that's not injury luck, but it is like, hey, how thin is this team running? Uh, that would bump the average up and move them higher up the rankings. But uh, the season is dumb when... The Raptors are missing two and a half or three guys a game, and they're just another team. Um, This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, oh yeah, the other injury thing. We don't have a timeline on Paul Watson. Jalen Harris is getting close. Uh, Nick Nurse said Tuesday that he's not expecting Chris Boucher back anytime soon. Uh, Boucher sprained his MCL. Looking at some history around the league, uh, the language of sprained MCL is not enough for us to go off of. Uh, There are, as I understand it, three different grades of that. So you're looking at a day-to-day injury all the way up to six-plus weeks and potential surgery down the line. Uh, it doesn't sound like Boucher's is is as bad as that extreme end, uh, but we know he won't be reevaluated until uh, tomorrow at the very earliest, uh, based on the initial release from the team. Um, I guess, again, we don't have enough information to, to judge off of here, but if the Raptors, if the Raptors are going to make this play and push, say they pull it off, Sure. Um, just how important is Boucher to their chances of a winning a play in game and b making a dent in a playoff series? Because as much as the rotation has stabilized a little bit here, uh, the bench scoring without Boucher <laughs> and, and without I'm Boucher trying. and Trent at yeah. the same time, I guess, is uh, it's been a bit of a struggle. Eric, there was a lineup last night, uh, and I think it, uh, starting the second quarter, I think we saw it again to start the fourth quarter. Uh, it was Van Vliet and Flynn. And then Utah, Stanley Johnson, and Freddie Gillespie, and it got swung to the the weak side, and it was like a Utah-Stanley Johnson action. They might have actually got a foul off of it, but 
you know, I'm sort of thinking, oh my God, like <laughs> that, you know, you could have all the point guards on the floor that you want. It's uh, not really, you can only do so much when your weak side options are, are that limited. Uh, Boucher's obviously been really good, especially offensively this year. Uh, Trent has not found his role uh, off the bench, but he's certainly a threat, <laughs> a credible threat. Uh, and yeah, like in both the Knicks and the, uh, the, the Nets losses this week, the common theme was the transition lineups just didn't work. Uh, and then the starters couldn't really, uh, get back into it fully. Uh, there's just not enough there, uh, to, to keep them afloat against better competition. And they are about to face better competition for four straight games uh who's after anyway um for on this west coast uh, road trip and boucher i think like if freddie gillespie struggled a little bit uh over the last few games i'd say it has not a little to do with boucher being absent and maybe stretching the floor in certain ways and providing you know some of that weak side help maybe on an interior defense uh that sort of cover up for some of gillespie's inexperience and flaws so i think he's an incredibly important piece maybe not to the extent where he has by far the most win shares on this team but still important and uh it's going to be tough like like we said it all year the the margin for error for this roster just isn't very big and even losing you know two guys off the bench uh your top two guys off the bench uh, and, and finally having a starting group, you, you can't really afford that. So it's going to be difficult. So I was going to save this for a little later on when we talk about uh, Ken Birch's fit and how, how good he's looked as a pairing with Kyle Lowry. But let's just talk about it now since, um, you know, we're kind of talking about the rotations and, and what those might look like. How, how much confidence has the Raptors finding a starting five given you? The group of Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi, and Birch has started the last four games in a row together. They've played 92 minutes together total with a net rating of plus 23.1. They've been very good offensively. Uh, they've been very good defensively. Uh, they've been one of the Raptors, not, not one of, they've been the Raptors' best rebounding lineup that's played any amount of minutes uh, on the year, really. Um, they've had a criminally low turnover rate, but basically, you know, everything is suggesting that, that that lineup is pretty effective. Um, and, and on top of that, uh, what did I just lose in my stat sheet there? Oh yeah. Uh, on top of that, uh, I hate how NBA.com resets to per game when you're looking at, uh, at totals. Anyway, on top of that, uh, the success of that lineup is also not floated by um, like unsustainable three-point shooting. That group is shooting 37% uh, on threes, which is right within what you'd expect for, for a lineup with that kind of true shooting talent and, and with the, uh, the Raptors overall three-point shooting on the year. Um, there is a little bit of opponents are shooting really poorly on threes against against that group, just 31%. Uh, but even if that normalized a little bit, you'd expect that group to be pretty solid. Like they're, they're a plus 41 and 91 or 92 minutes. That's uh, You're going to need to bang a couple more threes to, to put a dent in that. Um, I think given the way that group has performed, given the fact that even when he's talked about 
liking the versatility and flexibility of changing and starting lineups up. Nick Nurse has tended to, when everyone is available, stick with the set five. Um, you know, there's an exception there when the Raptors were just rotating starting lineups because they had no players. Uh, I don't think that uh, that qualifies. And even then, he started the the Stanley Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, Aaron Baines group three times. So um, I, th- I think he would prefer a set five. He's talked about his bench as Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent, Utah, and Freddie Gillespie or Chris Boucher when Chris Boucher is available. Um, do you think this is this is the five now? And how much do you think that like projecting forward, how much do you think that that helps the three or four bench guys who are going to be regulars? You can include Trent or not, um, but like that extra level of role certainty and Nurse's ability to kind of mix and match with transition units you know, we all love versatility and flexibility in the starters, but but how how bre- how big a breath of fresh air do you think this is for the rotation to have some kind of role stability right now? Um, I certainly think it's nice. As Nurse said yesterday, it's not like the Raptors have jumped teams uh, based on their starting lineup. It's, it's sort of uh, if don't quote me on this, but there certainly have been a few games uh, where they've sort of taken over in the third quarter and really made a nice run there. Um, but, uh, you know, just thinking from the perspective of a role player, of a Utah, of a Malachi Flynn, it has to be nice to know approximately when you're going to come in, approximately when you're going to come out, you know, who you're going to be playing with, what your role's going to be, what you're going to be asked to do. Uh, in those minutes, uh, I, I don't like, I do think barring some sort of, and there could be all sorts of malfeasance. If, if this trip gets away from the Raptors, you'll probably see some more resting or injuries or, or whatever. Um, as if they get further away from the play in race, but you know, stability is a, it's a nice thing. And if you, the the interesting thing is like projecting forward to next year, which is an impossibility, but you know, what happens with Lowry and or the money currently earmarked for Lowry becomes a very fascinating thing because it could be a world in which Trent goes back to the starting lineup and then there maybe looking to fill in the bench with the money they have left over. Uh, anyway, we're, we're pro- I'm probably getting ahead of myself. It's been really nice to have some predictability. I'm sure Nick Nurse feels better about it too. And I think like, like look, I, I don't think they played well against Brooklyn, uh, especially offensively. Uh, some sort of silly turnovers at times and just not a lot of great shot making. But I think that game against New York, like if you – look at it from like possession by possession, they probably played the more sound basketball and they died by a series of, you know, of Julius Randle and Derrick Rose mid-rangers, which has Very difficult Julius Randle shot profile. Which has happened. Like that happens. They've been great this year, especially Randle. And like, there's a reason that the Knicks are where they are and the Raptors are where they are. But dare I say it, go Knicks. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. They're, I mean, it's it's fun. As as much as anything can be fun this year, the Knicks are fun. Um, but the Raptors played the way they wanted to play that game. Uh, and I think 
you've seen a lot more of a predictable style of basketball and predictable levels of production. And the one thing that hurt them, that's hurt them since Trent and Boucher has been out is that it's just been difficult to cobble together those, those transition units. And I think maybe that's where as good as the starters have been, maybe you have to go to a sub a bit earlier than, than Nick Nurse has been going to. Like, I think he ran the, the starters maybe for eight or nine straight minutes in the third quarter against the Nets and they were playing well and they were making a run. And, and so I, I don't blame him, but also that probably means you're going to have to rely on bench heavy minutes for a longer period of time or, or at least yeah. more, more consecutive minutes. The, the starting unit has averaged nearly eight uh, minutes together at the start of these four games and then about seven and a half at the start of the third quarter. Um, now, it's good of those first and third quarters. They've won six, lost one, and, and I'll call it a tie. They they lost it by one point. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, six, one and one in those stretches. It, it's paying off, but they went two and two over those games. And the next game, obviously, the, the bench just couldn't hang uh, at all. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think maybe the hook comes at six minutes instead of eight minutes yeah. for, for the first guy or two in that group. Um, but in, you know, whether, whether that's go ahead, getting right. Lowry out early and, and Flynn spots him with the starters and, and then you get Lowry leading the bench units at the top of the second and fourth instead of Van Bleed. I don't know how much that helps, but um, I think if we're looking ahead to the playoffs, I think that the honest answer might be this rotation goes down to eight. And instead of Gillespie off the bench, they maybe play small a bit more if Trent is healthy. Probably. I, I, I would have trouble imagining Gillespie in there unless, I mean, they play the Sixers, in which, I mean, you don't you don't want to throw Freddie Gillespie against Joel Embiid. But, what is the quickest but, foul out in NBA history? Ask <laughs> uh, Jake Voskel. Um if you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Any whom, uh, yeah, like, and to the extent that Nurse hasn't 
made those quicker subs. Like, as we just mentioned, it's the first time they've really had any roster stability or, or rotation stability all year. So, like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the slight adjustment comes against Denver on Thursday. Yeah. Also, finally having a, a working starting lineup, it's probably like having a new toy. Like, why he doesn't want to put it down? Like, yeah, like the, if these guys keep winning their minutes, it gets harder, obviously, to be like, well, we should stop this run. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. For sure, Eric, you can you can see the push and pull of it all. So, uh, despite some of those positives, the Raptors only went two and two this week, uh, which is the exact record that makes zero people happy. Uh, they beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn, of course, without KD and James Harden in that game, but I still thought a, a pretty high-quality win for the Raptors. It was their fourth in a row. Uh, they then lost to the Knicks, as we talked about. That was, you know, it certainly didn't feel like a 17-point game uh, the way the game played out, but the Raptors bench had a, a tough night, and the Knicks were on another level with their shot-making, especially Julius Randle. Uh, they then beat the Cavaliers on Monday, pretty straightforward. The Cavs on the second night of a back-to-back with not a lot of players and Kevin Love openly throwing a tantrum uh, for to get Malachi a 5 nothing four-second run. Uh, and then they lost to the Nets on Tuesday. Uh, Durant back for that one for Brooklyn. And they just, you know, that's one where the Raptors just second night of a back-to-back against a very good team. Didn't have the juice, and that's that's fine. You're gonna. I thought process wise, it was an okay game, uh, other than kind of the the second chance points, which continue to to be an issue even as the Raptors uh, rebound better on the offensive glass themselves. Uh, Kem Birch obviously had 52 offensive rebounds uh, in that game, which was a uh, you know has to be some sort of record. Uh, <laughs> um, he had nine yeah. to be clear, which uh, doesn't get him into the top ten of, of Raptors offensive rebounding games. Sadly, um, so the two and two record. Like, I, I'm joking a little bit in that it makes nobody happy, but the fan base still does seem a little split on, do you want to get to that play-in spot and try to make some noise and, and give Brooklyn or Philly a, a tough run in the first round? Or do you want to backtrack and improve your lottery odds? A two-and-two two week does nothing for either of those things, right? The, the Wizards have only lost once in their last nine or ten. Um, you know, the Pacers have at least stabilized a little bit. The Hornets are losing, but they're probably too far out of reach. And the Bulls, the Bulls are doing the same thing the Raptors are doing, which is winning when the fans don't want them to win and losing when the fans don't want them to lose. Um, so it really hasn't gone, it hasn't pushed anything in either direction. Uh, these next couple of games will be a lot more, I think, decisive. Um, one, because we're down to 10 games left on the schedule, and obviously the leverage of each of those uh, increases. Um, it's also, you know, if you've been happy with the Raptors process improvements uh, since, you know, maybe the start of April, we'll cut it off. They're, they're eight and six since then, um, you know, even though they haven't been remarkably healthy. Uh we're about to find out if, if the Raptors process improvements and vibe improvements uh, can hold up. They're going to play their 10 remaining games include zero <laughs> games against teams that aren't at least trying to make the playing game. Uh, they've got Denver, Utah, the Lakers and the Clippers, all playoff teams, um, all on the road on the West Coast. Then they've got the Wizards and Grizzlies back at home in Tampa, who are both fighting for their playoffs, playoff lives. They get the Clippers again. Then they get the Bulls, Mavs, and Pacers to close out. Uh, the Mavs are fighting to avoid the play-in game and, and be in a proper playoff spot. And the Bulls and Pacers at that point, you know, could be fighting for, for play-in opportunities, could be decided. We don't really know. Um, so there are no 
you know, especially over the next seven, but maybe over the next 10, no soft spots here. We're going to learn if the Raptors, uh, if if the improvements they've been making and the positivity that Nick Nurse has had about his group uh, over the last month can carry over against high quality competition. Now, I will say that the Raptors, while they are one and a half games out of the play-in, Washington has an easier schedule the rest of the way and is maybe a little bit more motivated to um, make that push. The other side of things is that the the train may have left on bottoming out anyway. Um, there are five teams separated by two games in the lottery spots seven through 11. Uh, the Raptors are you know, right now would would be eighth in lottery odds. Um, but we're talking a one game, one or two game swing in either direction for five of those teams, seven through 11. Um, you know, the seventh best playoff odd, uh, lottery odds aren't isn't going to make anyone super excited. But probabilities are what they are. Seventh gets you more odds than eighth and more than ninth. And it increases your average draft position. Um, the idea of catching the bottom six, though, might be gone, uh, especially after that Cavs win. You know, the Raptors are four and a half games out, we'll call it, of of sixth last. Um, so, you know, the wins might not be that damaging right now, as long as Washington and New Orleans and maybe Chicago are still winning. Um, I know we've talked this to death, Eric, over the last couple of weeks, but where are you at? Like, like this is where your kind of pre-recording nihilism came in, that yeah. they're in purgatory and there's not a lot to be done with it, right? Just play the games. Yeah. Um, I still, like... Uh, you know, on this trip, I hope they go, you know, four and zero or zero and four, like uh, fr- from <laughs> I, from their perspective. Just yes, to, I agree. To clarify what makes sense over the last six games, like if if by the end of this four game trip they've gone two and two and are like a game back from Washington or or even two games back from Washington and with the tiebreaker, it's not going to do much to to help. So. Like I, I'm certainly, I feel less at a place, as you mentioned, I'm less at a place where it's like, oh, they, they really need to win this game or, or it would serve them well to lose this game because, you know, they have been fun to watch in, in, in some stretches of games and even full games. So, you know, I, I, there, there's value in, in seeing that continue just for, the moment and in getting some, you know, potential rotation pieces, more experience as well. But at some point you want to know, like, if that Bulls game is the battle for, uh, what is it? 24th or 23rd, whatever you want to say, like, you want to know how much you should be putting into that, uh, that effort when that game comes. I think it's what the second or third last game of the season or, or something like that. Um, and if they're both out of it, if Washington has solidified that spot, we could see, uh, you know, Benuzo game part two uh, to some degree <laughs> in terms of, uh, at least in terms of some people not playing, if not for weird faces, weird uh, pieces having huge, huge numbers. Uh, but yeah, like I, I don't think you really sweat each individual game on this trip the way we were maybe two weeks ago or a week. Like we know, you know, Sacramento is 
25 and 36. So they, the Bulls and the Raptors are sort of really tangled up there. You know, maybe the Pelicans fall back to them, but probably not. So you basically know the Raptors are going to be picking somewhere between 7th and 10th or, or with those odds. And as things get more clear, maybe you go stronger one way or another. But I don't think on this particular trip, you have to go there yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Um, sorry, something just came across my phone. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, let's look ahead, Eric. Um, you know, I think again, two and two is uh, the worst case here. Four and zero or zero and four, depending on your perspective. Uh, better ways to go. Um, we talked the rotations and stuff. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we before uh, we make you predict? Well, I just like to point out that I did predict the correct record last week. Although, as usual, I didn't get all of the games. I went two and two, as did the Raptors. I, I guess is what I'll say. Um, no, I don't think I have any more Raptors points to make. I, I can't remember getting super mad at anybody recently, so uh, <laughs> it's probably all fine. Cool. Um, so are we predicting sure. this whole trip or just the first three games? Uh, just the first three, because I figure as much as we'll be sleepy, um, the these three games are probably big enough for us to reconvene Monday instead of waiting the extra day and the extra game, right? Yeah, sure. So uh, we'll go just to get uh, back Denver, on the Utah, schedule. and the Lakers. Yeah. I'll say uh, <sighs> win, loss, loss. Um. I mean, loss, loss, loss is chalk, obviously. Something's telling me they're going to have one last beautiful game in them, maybe, and uh, before fading away. Sure. that's uh, That seems as reasonable outcome as any. Uh, yeah, and we get big honey, Nikola Jokic. Oh, he's so good. These games should be fun. Although, the idea of the team being back in Utah gives me... Bad vibes. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it just lets us know that we're, we've come a long way to wind up in the same place. Sure. sure. <laughs> sounds, sounds appropriately depressing. Uh, all right, guys. Um, we will talk to you next Monday after those three games. Sorry for being a little distracted there at the end. Um, again, theathletic.com slash we the six. Uh, if you are not already subscribed to the written side, you can check out uh, my 10-day rankings for Raptors history. Um, you know, that feature on Freddie Gillespie. Uh, we'll have all of these games covered coming up, of course. Uh, and a little something coming Thursday from me, uh, breaking down OG Ananobi's growth as a shot creator, which is uh, pretty important. We didn't talk about it a lot here on the pod because uh, there were some other things that required attention, and I didn't want to use all that stuff before the piece comes spoiler so, he's been uh, good look forward to that he's been really good lately it's a lot of fun yeah uh i mean that's probably the biggest takeaway from this whole stretch but uh i'll let you talk about it and maybe we dive deeper into it next week if it continues i think it will he uh he always has huge games against uh, the denver nuggets for whatever reason so here we go uh all right eric thanks so much man you have uh you have a lovely week and we'll talk to you soon yeah blake uh thank you love you vladdy see ya 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.